You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. And let the one who believes in me drink. In the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, you can have a seat. Get comfortable. Kids, you're going to be in here today with us. Welcome back. You guys just got done with your kids' catechism class. Um, kids, I have, an, I have a, a job for you. I need you to, to listen. All right? I know, you, I know you know how to do this. Uh, the teachers tell us you know how to do this. So it's your job to pay attention. Because what we're going to do right now, children, is not just listen to Father Sean speak, but together we're going to make sense of the readings that we just heard from the Word of God. God has something to say to you today. He wants you to hear it. He wants you to hide it in your heart. So that's your job this morning. Church, happy Pentecost. Here we are. Pentecost Sunday. Um, For Jews, for the Jewish tradition, this is the the festival of the first fruits, I believe. And uh, we happen to be concluding, so we got this over here. We're happy to conclude our series called Come Alive. We've been going through 1 Peter, and now on Pentecost Sunday, we've been asking, what does it look like to live lives in light of the resurrection? How do we come alive in the resurrection? And these things are are actually really, really related. Let me stitch these together for us, if you're not sure. For Christians, Pentecost is actually not just its own standalone event that happened in the, the biblical story. It's actually the culmination of the entirety of Jesus' life, but specifically even the resurrection uh, of Jesus. It's the culmination of the resurrection. These things are actually attached. Resurrection, ascension, and Pentecost. This is the day in which the first fruits of the new creation are poured out upon the earth. This is the festival of the first fruits. You see that? And the first fruits that we have seen in Jesus who has defeated sin and death, trampled over death by death, kicked it to the curb, and has been raised from the dead, the first of this new creation was Jesus. And right behind him, he's bringing all of creation, and now the Spirit of God sending it to his church, his people upon the earth, to renew the face of the earth. These are the first fruits of the new creation. So Pentecost is the church's celebration for this gift, this motion, this culmination of the resurrection in the sending of the Spirit to God's people. Amen? You guys with me? This is a big deal, okay? If you're wondering, everything's red. Is this a big deal? This is a big deal. Just so you know. You can take my word for it. Maybe I can convince you of that as we go here. You know, but the, the unfortunate thing, and to our detriment, the Holy Spirit is probably the most overlooked person of the Holy Trinity, isn't it? And to our detriment, the Holy Spirit is probably the most overlooked. All my charismatic brothers and sisters in here are going, amen. Preach, brother. Preach. Come on, I know where you're at. You can't hide. This is your Sunday. You guys, you got to get it all in today, okay? No, bring it, bring it. The Holy Spirit is, after all, the cosmos-creating, life-sustaining, heaven-empowering in his people, third person of the Trinity. That's who the Holy Spirit is. There is no Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit. There is actually, someone asked me one time, I got to preach about what if the Holy Spirit didn't exist? I'm like, if the Holy Spirit didn't exist, you wouldn't be preaching. Like, there wouldn't be. Whose spirit was it in the waters that came near the waters of creation, hovered near it, and spoke into existence all things? If the Holy Spirit isn't present, God is not, no, but nothing is. This is the Spirit of God that we worship today. 
And the Holy Spirit is also not just, well, if you're charismatic and you got this like add-on to the Christian life, if you're into that, if you're comfortable with it, I got bad news for you. It, uh, it doesn't matter if you're comfortable with the Holy Spirit or not. It is necessarily central to being a Christian. This is the, because this is the God we worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So whether you come from charismatic backgrounds or Catholic backgrounds or Bible church backgrounds, wherever it is, the, the, the faith that we maintain, the faith that we lean into and want to live is not a part of the faith, some niche of the faith. We want the fullness of the faith. And that's honestly, folks, if this is the first time you've ever been to an Anglican church, I don't care about Anglicanism so much as I, as I care about the fullness of the faith that's been given to us in this tradition. It's like a Ferrari for the fullness of the faith. And if you're charismatic in here going, man, all this form and liturgy, it makes me feel all like stifled. No, 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 no. The Pentecostal fire has a fireplace in the liturgy and the sacraments. All of that's together. It's to rage on in this worship of God that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we would be sent on into the world after the incarnate Son, bringing about the kingdom of God to the glory of the Father, the fullness of it. Y'all with me? So Pentecost is for all of us. This is the work of the Holy Spirit that has been sent to us on this day, and this is why we celebrate. We could go on and on. I could, we could go chapter one through the Bible, and I could show you, see, the Holy Spirit's everywhere. Some of us, that might actually be helpful. We can't do that today. What I want to focus on with you this morning is this. Just as Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until the time when they would be clothed with power from on high. Just as Jesus told his disciples that, he calls us likewise to be clothed with power on high. What is a life? Think about this. What, what does a life look like that's clothed with power from on high? What does a life look like that has received the Spirit of God within them and cooperates with the Spirit of God? What does that look like? Have you ever recognized that in someone else's life? Have you seen it? Well, the neighbors in Jerusalem, they saw it. And they thought, man, these guys, they're drunk. That's weird. This can't be right. What's happening? It was so perplexing for these folks that they were hearing in their own native tongue this message of the works of God, the deeds of God from all over the globe, people. Like a world summit was happening. And in all of these languages, they were hearing the works of God announced. If you are familiar with the Old Testament story of the Tower of Babel, this is the undoing of Babel. Where God, where all the people of the earth were like, hey, we're kind of a big deal. You know, we can make a tower. We can reach to the heavens. And God, he, he, he basically put a kibosh to their plans and, and sent them in confusion, speaking languages that they'd never heard before. Well, now, now that we have the risen one who is actually the big deal, God is doing quite the opposite. He's actually in all of these languages collecting all of them to say one thing. It's the reversal of Babel. Now they're saying without confusion in all the languages of the world, the works of God. This is what's happening in Jerusalem. Can you place yourself there for a minute and think that's gotta be a little bit bizarre. I could see how someone would accuse them of being drunk. In their own languages, they were hearing the works of God. And by the way, just time out, this is like really persuasive to me. 
about the, 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 um, the dependency of the biblical story, if the writers of scripture were, um, were like wanting to like manipulate this and clean up all the kind of touchy spots, this is one of those spots they'd take out, being accused of being drunk, right? As like a holy people. But know that the authors leave it there for us. There's something about that to me that smacks of authenticity. This is just actually what was going on. Peter has this not so profound uh, responsive argument to it. He says, look, we're not drunk. It's too early to be drunk. I haven't even had my coffee yet. How can we have anything else? And he goes on to say, I mean, maybe that took, maybe that worked, I guess, maybe. And he goes on to say, actually, here's what's going on. We're not drunk. Here's what's happening. Just as God said through Joel, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. This wasn't a magic trick that God needed, like a little parlor trick to impress people. Do you think God needed to impress the nations? Say, watch this. You don't believe me? Check this out. He doesn't need to impress us. This wasn't a magic trick. This is what God does. This is what God, in fact, has been doing since the foundations of the earth. This isn't some new plan, plan B, some new idea that God has had. This has been his intention from the beginning to draw near to his creation and bring it to himself through his son by the power of the spirit. This has always been God's plan. We talked about how we hovered over the waters and created all things in the first place. This has always been God's plan. And here you are doing it again. As the psalmist says, renewing the face of the earth. This is what the Spirit of God comes, does when it comes in contact with the created world. It renews, resurrects, brings life, heals. It brings, in other words, the first fruits of God's kingdom and the new creation. His way of doing things in the world come about when God draws near, when he pours out himself. Especially on our death-stricken earth, in this world that is ready to kill each other, totally divided, angry, broken. I mean, have you all watched the news recently? Do you know what happens when a God like ours comes near a world like this? Renewal, healing, reconciliation. When God draws near with the power of his spirit, the whole earth, the face of the earth is being renewed. And he's doing that through his church, his body. How? By the power of his Holy Spirit. And we shouldn't be surprised when the Spirit of God's at work and the world says, these people are crazy. We go, hey, that's happened to us before. We must be like really traditional, I guess then. Like sticking with the story. And we, you and I, regular folks, messed up, jacked up people like you and me, we, are, we got caught up in what God is doing in the world, this unimaginable phase of God's plan to bring about the heavenly reign and rule, settling it upon the earth. Not just for religious people, not just for Moses, but as Moses says, oh, that all of the Lord's people would prophesy. Don't be jealous for me. This isn't something just to silo off for people with robes or something. No, that all of God's people would prophesy, that all of us would be filled with the Spirit and sent into the world to renew the face of the earth, to cooperate with God's reign and rule, to bring about his goodness in our lives and in the lives of other people. Amen? This is what it means to participate on Pentecost Sunday. 
Last thing we need, though, and I know, and I'll be, let's be real for a second. The last thing I know y'all need is like a pep talk about Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God and stuff. Like, Sean, we knew all this stuff. Last thing you need is a pep talk, right? Some of us here even today are um, in places in our lives um, where even a pep talk might actually really get under our skin. Like, that's not what I need right now. I'm hurting. If I'm going to be honest, I need rescue. I'm lost. Sean, you have no idea the pain that I have even right now in my life. Well, Jesus doesn't offer us a pep talk. He, he doesn't actually just say, um, here, your best life now. This is ABC. This is all you got to do to make things better. He doesn't send you to a specialist. He doesn't defer you. He doesn't just move on to like easier prayer requests or something. Jesus is so deeply concerned with the situation of our lives, of all of our lives, that it was important for him to ascend to the right hand of the Father that he could send his spirit to meet you right where you are in your life. You wouldn't have to travel to Jerusalem to find him, but his spirit would find you everywhere, even in the depths of hell, maybe in your life today. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you're here and your soul is parched, maybe your, your life is like dry and cracked and beat up. Maybe you are stuck in habits of sin that you just cannot find freedom from. You cannot be freed from in your own work. Here's what I want to say to you. I just want to relay the words of our Lord to you this morning. Can you all hear this and receive this? He says, let anyone, anyone who is thirsty come to me. And let the one who believes in me drink. As the scriptures have said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. I know for some of us that may seem like religious rhetoric, some sort of like vapid promise that it's not going to stick in my life, Sean, you don't know what's going on. Not so, not so. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives. We see it in scripture. This is what God does. He takes the unimaginable and he breathes his spirit into it and he has his way. He brings life. He brings redemption. And guess what? Despite you, he does this. That's how much he loves you if we would only come to him. But we have to choose that, don't we? God is not gonna trample you. He's not gonna barge in where he's not welcome. We actually have a loving God who respects us and dignifies us more than we know what even the words, those words mean. He, he knows what they mean and he respects us. He won't barge in and that's why Jesus offers this invitation to you. Here's your job, come to me. Respond to this invitation, come to me. He's not giving us a change of perspective well, just look at it this way. Your life's not so bad. No, he's not saying that. He's not giving you advice. The gospel is not good advice. The gospel is good news. Matter of fact, good news about what God is promising to do and what God is currently doing and what he offers to do in our lives. What is our response? Come to me, Jesus says. Come to me. If you're thirsty, come close. Don't stay far away. Come close and have a drink you will never thirst again. Come alive, be filled, be renewed. Friends, this morning we get to come close, not just sentimentally or like symbolically, we get to come close to the living water today. For reals, people. We get to come close 
to the fountain of life in the blood of our Lord and drink for our parched souls. Eternal life is here for us. You don't even have to walk very far from where you're at. We made it really convenient for you this morning. You're welcome. Wherever you are, I want to invite you to receive the Spirit of God, to open yourselves up to this invitation of our Lord to come to him and be renewed and be filled and be forgiven and be brought to life, to come alive. This is how, honestly, we live in light of the resurrection. We respond to the resurrected one when he says, come to me. We believe that Christians receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in baptism, even babies who don't know what's going on. But aren't we all kind of babies that don't know what's going on when it comes to this? Thank God that he gives the Spirit to babies through the power of his Spirit. God does amazing things. At these waters, we raise our hands. This is actually, if you're charismatic, if you're coming from like Pentecostal direction here, welcome home, okay? I'm about to raise some hands and ask the Spirit of God to act on material things. Woo, there's a fine line between charismatic and Pentecostal and sacramental. I don't know maybe much of the difference here. But we're asking some really bizarre things. We're asking the Spirit of God, the invisible God, to take on flesh and blood and dwell among us and to get into our lives, to call His Spirit onto the water, to be bathed and forgiven through the death and resurrection of Jesus, and even to come to this altar and feed on the body of God in the bread and wine. That sounds pretty charismatic to me. Are these people drunk? We haven't even had our coffee yet. Not at all. So we, as Christians... We pray the oldest prayer, maybe, that Christians have ever prayed. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray, come, Holy Spirit, fill us with the goodness of God. Come, Holy Spirit, expose our ways of sin and death and lead us into life. Come, Holy Spirit, renew the face of the earth. Call humanity to repentance that we would tend rightly to your garden that you've given us in creation. Man, we trample this earth. Come, Holy Spirit, renew the face of this earth. Come, Holy Spirit, heal my marriage. Come, Holy Spirit, restore the trust in my friendships. Come, Holy Spirit, reconcile those marginalized on the edge of society that have been rejected. Come, Holy Spirit, reveal your purpose in my life, my direction, my next steps. God, what are you calling me to do? Come, Holy Spirit. This is the Christian prayer. Resurrection, can we be the kinds of people, a community that regularly and often and without hesitation says, come, Holy Spirit, that we depend on God's Spirit so much, even to make the smallest of moves, that we'd be so dependent on God's leading that we would never stray from God's goodwill for us. Can we become that people? And this, this means that we've got to make some changes in our lives as we have them today. This means that God is going to expose something to us, perhaps by his spirit's power that's saying, that, that's got to go. If I'm going to have my way in your life, we've got to deal with this, and you know this. I know how this works. God does this to me like every day. Okay, so I'm familiar with this. It's kind of nudging, this uncomfortable nudging. In order to be the kind of people that live in light of the resurrection, we've got to repent. We've got to turn to the Lord and say, come, Holy Spirit, have your way. Renovate me, clean me, direct me. Let's be that community, folks. When we do, we join the disciples. We join 
all disciples, in fact, who are clothed with power to announce the mighty works of God with our lips, even in South Austin. Not only with our lips, though, but also with our lives, like we pray, with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. You don't, this isn't like some intellectual game. You don't have to outwit people. Like Paul said, no, I'm not gonna come and argue with you about the Holy Spirit. You're going to see the demonstration of the Spirit's power, how that would change us, how that would change our neighborhood, how that would change our families to see the Spirit of God come in power. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit with the Father and the Son. They are three, they are one, they live and reign even now. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.